I'm Pastor John Peterson. I'm Pastor Luke Ulrich. And I'm Vicar Jacob Kempfert. The Mount Olive Mankato podcast is your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. We welcome you to join us on Sundays in Mankato to experience the friendship of our congregation and Christ's love. For service times or to learn more about Mount Olive, visit us at mountolivelutheran.org. That's mtolivelutheran.org. And now it's time for your weekly message of peace with God through Jesus Christ. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Our gospel lesson for this morning, which we will meditate upon, is recorded in the gospel according to St. Luke, the second chapter, beginning with the 41st verse. And please rise as we read as follows in Jesus' name. Every year, his parents traveled to Jerusalem for the Passover festival. When he was 12 years old, they went up according to the custom of the festival. When the days had ended as they were returning, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. His parents did not know it. Since they thought he was in their group, they went a day's journey. Then they began to look for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem searching for him. After three days, they found him in the temple courts, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? See, your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. He said to them, Why were you looking for me? Did you not know that I must be taking care of my father's business? They did not understand what he was telling them. He went down with them and came to Nazareth. He was always obedient to them, and his mother treasured up all these things in her heart. Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and with people. This is the word of our Lord. Let us pray. Dear God, within your temple we contemplate your faithful love. Your name, O God, like your praise, reaches to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is filled with justice. You are our God forever and ever. You will always lead us to where your salvation will be found. Amen. Please be seated. My dear fellow anxious searchers after our Lord Jesus Christ, the first two chapters of Luke could very easily be subtitled The Search for Jesus. Because that's what everybody seems to be doing in these first two chapters, searching for Jesus. It begins with Mary, who searches to know how she, a virgin, will conceive and give birth to the Savior of the world. It then moves on to Mary, who searches to know, or to Elizabeth, rather, who searches to know how the mother of her Lord comes to visit her. And next it moves on to John the Baptist, who in the womb of Elizabeth leaps for joy in joyful expectation of meeting his Savior, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And then after that boy is born, the shepherds search out through all of Bethlehem that, that baby boy the angels told them about. And after that, the eyes of old man Simeon search for his salvation because the Lord has promised him that his eyes will not close in death until he sees the salvation of the world. 
And then we see the prophetess Anna, who every single day patiently waits in the temple for the restoration of Jerusalem. And now in our reading for this morning, Mary and Joseph search for their lost little boy. And so the search for Jesus, which has been building up over the first two chapters of Luke, builds up to this dramatic moment. And it's dramatic and important because this is the first time that anyone has searched for a Jesus that they thought was lost. They already had Jesus. They had found him, and then he was lost. And we, too, are caught up in this dramatic moment, not just in the account that Luke gives us in the reading, but also in our lives. We, too, like Mary and Joseph, we reach a crossroads in our life, a point where we stop and we wonder, where is Jesus? Where's that sense of joy that I used to feel as a Christian? Where's that sense of purpose that God gave me in my life? Where's that sense of deep love and intimacy? Where's that sense of forgiveness, forgiveness of my sins and my desire to forgive other people's sins as well? Where is God's strength to get me through this journey? Where's the light of faith to show me the way, to show me what I should do with all that God gives to me? Maybe something specific has happened to us on this journey as we wander back to Nazareth. Maybe a death, a diagnosis, other kinds of disaster. Maybe a sudden unforeseen attack by the sinful world or the devil or our own sinful flesh. Maybe we have purposefully departed from the path. We've turned our back on the temple in Jerusalem and wandered down the dark path of sin. And now in that darkness, we can't figure out how to get back to the light. Or maybe nothing has happened at all. Maybe life has happened. Maybe we just don't know where Jesus is in our lives anymore. Maybe we know Jesus in our heads, but we can't find him anywhere in our hearts. Whatever it is, at this point in our lives, we reach a crossroads. And from that crossroads, there's three paths we could take. The first path is to just keep on going. Just keep on wandering back to Nazareth, content enough to leave Jesus behind wherever he is. We can leave Jesus at the temple where he belongs, where he'll be about his father's business. After all, we've gotten along well enough without him to this point, Nothing terribly bad has happened. We can just power through, we can get back to our regular lives, and we can figure it out from there. Imagine if Mary and Joseph had taken this path, this first path, if they had just kept on walking right back to Nazareth. We'll be back to, to Jerusalem soon enough. Joseph, you'll be back for the Feast of Pentecost in a little bit. That's coming up soon. And at the very latest, we'll all be back in Jerusalem next year for next year's Passover. Jesus can wait until then. It's fine. He'll be fine. Imagine if any parent had acted this way when they discovered that their child was missing. It's unthinkable. So if it's so unthinkable, then why do we so often think this way? Why are we so often content to just keep on wandering away from Jesus? to keep on wandering away from the source of our salvation? Why are we so content to keep on living our lives without Jesus? And the second path that we could take is actually no path at all. It's, it's just to stand there 
at the crossroads, thinking and debating and arguing, trying to figure out who is to blame, whose fault is it that this problem happened in the first place. Well, it's Joseph's fault. He, sh- he never pays attention. He needs to pay more attention. It's Mary's fault. It's her own flesh and blood. It's her own child. How could she just let him disappear? It's the family's fault. Someone should have been keeping track. Someone should have taken a roll call to make sure that they were all together before they set out. It's this evil, fallen, sinful world. It's their fault that my faith is weak. It's the devil with his constant temptations and accusations against me, he has taken Jesus away from me. Or it's my own fault. My own sin has pushed Jesus completely out of my life. My own sin has made it so that Jesus wants nothing to do with me anymore. And if we don't take that first path, just keep wandering aimlessly back to Nazareth, then this second path, the crossroads, this is exactly where Satan wants us to stay accusing whoever and whatever we can about the problem happening, rather than seeking out the one obvious solution. Imagine if Mary and Joseph had taken this path. If when they realized the problem that Jesus was missing, instead of immediately seeking out the one solution, immediately heading back to Jerusalem, they instead only sought who to blame. They just stood around, standing in petty arguments and bickering with each other, figuring out who's at fault. It's easy enough to see that this second path, the crossroads, can lead only to damaged relationships, to broken relationships. We're rooting out people's mistakes and sins. The problems of other people becomes the big important thing in our lives. Instead of looking at our mistakes and our sins and taking them immediately to the one place where they will be healed the healing wounds of Christ. So we see there's really only one path to take that will do anybody any good, and that's the path that Mary and Joseph took. Luke says, So when they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem seeking him. This is the third path, the path back to Jerusalem, the path to the holy temple of God, where God's word proclaims salvation from sins, where God's sacraments are administered, for the healing of our broken lives. In fact, going back to Jerusalem, going back to the temple, this was necessary for Mary and Joseph to do because as Jesus himself says, this is where he must be about his father's business. Now anytime that Jesus says he must do something, that it is necessary for him to do something, anytime he uses those words in scripture, he talks about what he must do to save us, what it is necessary for him to do to accomplish God's plan of salvation for us. So we know that him being in the temple is him fulfilling some part of our salvation. And he must here be about his father's business. Now his father's business, that that sounds a little vague. We're not exactly sure what that means. And the reason that it sounds vague is because in the original Greek, it sounds a little vague. In the original Greek, it's he must be among the things of his father, the stuff of his father. Though it sounds vague to us, it's actually talking about very specific work that Jesus must do. It's his father's business, so 
It's God's work. It's the work of God for us. It's the work of the temple. It's giving praise and honor and glory and thanksgiving to the one true God. And it's also where sacrifices are made for the sake of the people. So this first part, giving praise and thanks and glory to God, this is nothing more than the two tablets of the Ten Commandments. We heard about them in our Old Testament reading. They were in the Ark of the Covenant. And these two tablets of the Ten Commandments, on the first tablet are Commandments 1, 2, and 3. They describe how our relationship with God is kept holy. On the second tablet are Commandments 7 through 10. They describe how our relationships with each other are kept holy. So that is what Jesus' Father's business is all about. Keeping relationships holy. Protecting relationships. First of all, first and foremost, our relationship with God. And then after that, flowing out from our relationship with God is our relationship with everyone else in our life. This is what Jesus is doing, staying behind in the temple. He's not just there to learn and to ask questions. He's not there to be an example for us of perfect church attendance. See, even Jesus went to church, so we should too. He's not doing that. He's not providing us an example for our holiness. He's providing us holiness. He is there in the temple, worshiping the one true God in our place. He's there keeping the holy name of God holy because we so often fail to do that. He is there setting aside his entire life as a holy, loving, living sacrifice for us so that our relationship with God is restored. He is there doing whatever is necessary to save you. But Jesus' holy life lived for us is only part of his Father's business. Jesus is staying in the temple and visiting Jerusalem for the Passover festival. So he's among his Father's business in the blood, in the flesh, in the guts of the Passover sacrifice, which is the Lamb, the Lamb of God. This was the business that Mary and Joseph did not understand. This was the business that Jesus' own disciples did not understand, at least until that business was completed, was fulfilled and finished. That Jesus' purpose was not only to live and to rule and to be exalted, but also to suffer and die and be humiliated on the cross. That is, he is to be the one Passover sacrifice for all time. To shed the blood that would redeem us from death itself. To give up the flesh that now is our feast of victory and deliverance and salvation. So Jesus goes to Jerusalem for the Passover feast as a boy, knowing that in one year to come as a man, he will become that Passover sacrifice for us. Knowing that even as he hangs out in the temple courts, talking to the teachers, searching the scriptures, yet one day he will hang outside the walls of Jerusalem on a cross, fulfilling those scriptures for us. And this is where we find Jesus in his holy life and holy death given for us. This is where we not only find Jesus in his holy life and holy death that we read about in Holy Scripture, 
But this is where we understand Jesus. In those two words of Scripture, for you. Jesus' holy life is yours. Jesus' holy death is yours. And that also means that Jesus' resurrection from death itself is your resurrection from death. So if we are at the crossroads right now, if we don't feel that joy of salvation, if we lose a sense of purpose, that driving force in our Christian life, or if we've turned away from the temple, down the dark path of sin, no matter what, it doesn't matter what brought us to the crossroads, what only matters is that there's absolutely no reason for us to keep wandering down the wrong path. There's no reason for us to stay at the crossroads, stewing in shame and blame and guilt. By the grace and love of our God, we can at any and every moment return to Jerusalem in repentance. To the risen and glorified temple, that is the very body of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And Christ's body is the holy Christian church, where the word of salvation is preached, where the sacraments are administered for the healing of souls. It's the only place where Jesus promises to be for you. And this is where Jesus is truly understood, his holy life, his holy death, and his resurrection. Even in scripture, it's not until after his resurrection that anyone really truly understands him and his work. We can compare this text that Luke gives us of the boy Jesus in the temple to the accounts Luke gives of Jesus after his resurrection, and they line up. They're the same. Mary and Joseph search for Jesus, and they finally find him in the temple, and he asks them one question. He asks them, why did you seek me? And then, after Jesus' resurrection, the women are traveling to the tomb on Easter Sunday morning. They're at their own crossroads in life. They're at their own point of anxiety that they have lost their Lord. And when they reach the tomb, they find it empty, and the angels say to them the exact same question. Why did you seek him? Why do you seek the living one among the dead? In the temple, Mary and Joseph don't understand the words that Jesus says when he has to be about his father's business. But after his resurrection, at the empty tomb, the angels remind the women of all of the words Jesus spoke to them that they had not understood. The Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men, must be crucified, and on the third day must be raised again. Jesus must be about his Father's business. And Luke tells us that then, at that point, the women remembered Jesus' words that he had told them all along, and they finally understood. In Scripture, we learn that then, at that point, after his resurrection, many of his disciples finally believed those words he had been telling them all along. Find him in his word, and you will find that he gives you his holy life and holy death and resurrection from death. It's already yours. He's already given it to you. Find him in your baptism, and you will find that he is already with you wherever you may be, wherever you are in life. He is there, and you are joined to him intimately and eternally through Jesus' own baptism. And you'll find that you are already a part of him as his temple, a part of his own body, a sacrifice holy and pleasing to God. 
Find him in the Passover feast, in the Lord's Supper, and you will find that he has already given you that blood that redeems you from death and that body that heals you. And we find him in this place, in his holy temple, in the church, where we meditate on his love that never fails us, it never goes away, it never is lost, no matter how lost we think we are. This is not only where Jesus is found, but where he is truly understood. His holy life given for us, his holy death died for us, his resurrection that is our resurrection and new life, the holy things of God given to you. Amen. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen.